And welcome to our second episode of This Black Bear Has 28 Minutes, a Kootenai Arts and Culture podcast presented by students from the Selkirk College Creative Writing Program, alongside amazing collaborators from across the Kootenays. I'm Tressa Ford. And I'm Cody Bruner. We'll be your hosts today. So if you're looking for ways to connect and get inspired in the Kootenays and beyond during COVID times, look no further. We'll have updates each episode to keep you in the loop for what's happening in the community, news, events, book launches, and more. Today we'll be talking about poetry. We'll feature three interviews, Selkirk College instructor and local author and poet Lisa Dean, giving us an overview of poetry chat books and why they're just the coolest. I'll be sitting down with local poet and bard Zainab Mohammed to talk about her artistic process and work. And Meredith McDonald will interview local poet Fletcher Fitzgibbon on his poetry and independent micropress, The Arrows Lodge Press. This will be followed by selected readings from talented contributors to the Black Bear Review. Today we have Veronique Darwin and Tori Thurmond. All that and so much more. But first, our community check-in segment, Shoutouts and Shenanigans. Touchstones has a lot going on right now. There are two new exhibitions, a group poetry exhibition, Throne, which opened March 13th, and the Red Dress Project by Indigenous artist Jamie Black to raise awareness of missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. This exhibition will be inside the museum and outside in front of City Hall. Everybody should check it out. Touchstones also has a new Flickr album out, showcasing the work of the late D. Dan, or dreadful Dan, Morslander. D. Dan was a colorful and fascinating Kootenai artist whose work still impacts the Kootenai art scene today, including the four murals many of us will recognize on Vernon Street in Nelson. The album focuses on his photography from the late 80s to the early 90s, covering his time studying at Selkirk College while living in Proctor, Nelson, and Caslow. Check it out to find many familiar people and places and get a glimpse into the Kootenai art scene of the 80s and 90s. In Castlegarth, the Kootenai Gallery also has some exciting new exhibitions that opened recently, and they will be around until April 17th. Check out the Subterrane Exploring Psychic Landscapes by Angel Carosi and consumed by Maureen Grubin, which focuses on the issues of accumulation and waste. As well, in Caslow, the Langham currently has exhibitions from Kootenai artists Bryn Stevenson and BC artist Claire Dibble. Two Chicks, One Night, a show about the local music scene hosted by Black Bear Review contributors Stephanie Hendrickson and Emily Whitehead. Novel Ideas, a program aimed at connecting Kootenai book enthusiasts with the local literary scene hosted by Samra Nicole and Natasha Guilo. And Brad Bradley's show, Poetry for Keeps. And check out the Words on Baker Facebook page for more info on upcoming poetry events in Nelson. Okay, on to our interviews. First up, we have local author and poet Lisa Dean talking about her relationship with poetry chapbooks. My name is Lisa Dean and I'm an instructor here at Selkirk College. I teach creative writing and I'm also the author of the short story collection Waiting for the Cyclone and the more recently published chapbook called The Desert of Itabira. 
I wanted to talk a little bit on this podcast episode about my relationship with chapbooks. Um, it's a long-standing history, actually. When I was in high school, I had a very, very close friend whose name was Mike Woods, and he moved to Vancouver when I was in high school. He had finished already, and when he came back, he had this big crate full of zines, and you know, we use the word chapbook and zine interchangeably a lot. And he gave a bunch of them to me because he knew I wanted to be a writer, and you know, he was just sort of the symbol of a person who been outside of our small town and who had access to this larger world of literature and it was it was also radical you know there were these punk zines and there was this one zine called pinch hazard it was written by a man in powell river and i just i love the tone of it i love the anarchy of it i love this idea of self-publishing and the idea of all these individuals out there who who were young like me and who didn't want to wait you know, for some publisher to pick them up in some distant future, they had something to say and they wanted to say it now. So I've always been very attracted to that spirit of zines and chat books, just the DIY, the I want to be heard and I want to be heard now spirit of it. And so when I lived in Montreal, and that was a long period, I, I lived there for 11 years, so throughout all of my 20s, I started making my own zines and chat books when I was there. Um, I had this this line called Kitchen Hippie. That was the name of it. I had an email address that was Kitchen Hippie in my zine. Um, I put them out a couple times a year and mostly gave them to my friends. There was some art in it, mostly poetry, some political pieces. And I just, I loved it. I loved feeling I was like I was a part of something and being able to share my writing with others. And um, later on in my mid-20s, I traveled through Mexico and Guatemala and I made sure I always had a couple of National Geographics and, you know, I would pick up Spanish magazines zines along the way and and make these zines and I would leave them in hotels and hostels or even in little bookstores when I was traveling um, just you know for anyone who cared to to see it um, you know and then I'm, I'm a bit older now right it's it's been like 10 15 20 years since some of these earlier experiences um, and what I've discovered is there's even there's sort of a more official line of chapbooks and what I mean by this is there's micro publishers so you know zines and chapbooks weren't always about just someone wanting to have a voice in creating their own work there are actually publishers who put out these these smaller books and these are really important specifically for poets right um coming up with a poetry collection can take a long time and these chapbooks allow us to publish excerpts of them along the way and it also counts as an official publication so it's it's just really great it's a way of sharing our work in progress with others it's a way of just highlighting um this this other community and this other way of being a poet so you know so you see so you don't get picked up right away by a bigger publisher there's still these other places i'm thinking of you know in toronto there's ferno house there's out of ottawa's above ground there's frogs hollow out of montreal there's metatron there's lots of smaller micro publishers in british columbia um you know there's even one now in Winlaw called the Arrows Lodge Press. Um, it's run by Fletcher Fitzgibbon. And there's another one. It's run by Linda Crossfield called Nose in Book Publishing. So micropresses are alive and well here in the Kootenays. Um, and, you know, I think that's, I think it's wonderful just how many there are and the possibilities that it offers to people. So I thought what I would do just to close off this segment is read a couple of poems from my chapbook. This was published by Above Ground Press and that's run out of Ottawa, Ontario. And what I love about Above above ground press is that um, if you subscribe and it's really quite inexpensive I think it's it's $75 for the year and you get 
anything that's published by the press throughout the year mailed to your doorstep. I think last year I got close to 50 publications and these things cost, you know, at least $5 for each one if you buy them on your own. So I love having my subscription. I just, it's like poetry Christmas all the time. It just, it, it just arrives and I've been able to discover so many wonderful poets from, you know, all over North America. You know, there have been people published from San Francisco and the Midwest, just many different places, New York City and in here in Canada, small towns, big towns. It's really cool. So I'll just read uh, the very first poem, and this is the title poem of the Desert of Itabira, um, and it's, you know, it's called the Desert of Itabira. In the desert of Itabira, time gnaws ruined houses. These walls know nothing of rain, nor hail the size of pearls, nor grass, no bromelias or ferns, only sand and more sand. Of course, Carlos would live here, a village lost in time, where servant girls patter like birds between market stalls. He has too himself bloodshot beauties who call him master. There is a party to welcome us, hens, cachaça, meat cloaked in herbs from some other kingdom where soil allows life to flourish. Thank you for listening, and if you wanted to learn more about Above Ground Press and its subscription service, or even get a copy of my poetry chapbook, um, there's actually copies for sale in town at Otter Books, or you can check out online abovegroundpress.blogspot.com. And that's our professor, folks. She's absolutely amazing. <laughs> I've read uh, The Desert of Itabira myself. It's absolutely beautiful and transporting. So I encourage you all to check that out. You can get her chat book at Otter Books. Now we have Black Bear contributor Meredith McDonald interviewing local poet Fletcher Fitzgibbon, who will also share some very well-written poetry. Hi, Fletcher. Hey, Meredith. Hi, I'm, I'm talking to Fletcher Fitzgibbon um, about a poetry chapbook he wrote that was recently published. He's a writer of fiction, nonfiction, and poetry based in the Sinex territory in British Columbia, Slocan Valley. His writing has appeared in literary magazines and journals in Canada and abroad, including Shades Magazine, Kootenai Mountain Culture, The West Ender, and The Blackberry View. His first novel, No One Told Us It Would Be Like This, is due soon. In 2018, Fletcher recorded his dreams and associated data for each day of the calendar. He published a book of poetry called A Field Guide to Dream Data. This collection and accompanying manual are the decoction of that experiment. Find and follow Fletcher at www.fletcherfitzgibbons.ca. Fletcher, I just wanted to ask you about your poetry book. And when I went on your website, I read your I read your other work, your short stories, and your other published poetry, and I thought it was great. And while I was on your website, I read a poem called BC is Burning that was published mm -hmm. in the West Ender. So I, I moved here from Vancouver, so that just sort of made me curious if you are from Vancouver. Uh, I'm not from Vancouver, but I did live there for a number of years. Um, okay. So I have a lot of experience in that city. I noticed that you talked about Vancouver in that poem and that you also talk about your the setting like here is, mm -hmm. is sort of written into your poetry. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I, I think like that 
setting really informs uh, my writing and probably a lot of people's writing just like where I am. I usually am observing the things around me and then it kind of, yeah, it filters into my writing. But yeah, I was, as you were saying that, I was thinking um, how a lot of my writing is about places I have lived before. And I think like that's often like moving can, can help you like get perspective on the life or the place you were living before. So I did uh, more of my writing about Vancouver when I lived here than when I was actually living in Vancouver. Do you want to talk about your poetry chat book or even read some of it? I was hoping you would read some of it. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, for that sure. Would be awesome. Okay. I've got uh, a copy here. Yeah. So as you mentioned uh, in the introduction, and thanks for that, by the way, it's called uh, A Field Guide to Dream Data. And what I did was uh, recorded my dreams and associated data for a year. And the data I collected was like all sorts of stuff from like what I ate, how much I slept, uh, how much I exercised, the, my mood, how much caffeine I had. I, like, I collected quite a bit of data mm-hmm. and I did this for an entire calendar year in wow. addition to writing down my dreams every day. Um, and I didn't really know what I was going to do with it all, but I thought, you know, it's going to kind of have some sort of purpose that's maybe going to enlighten me at the end of the year. And then, um, yeah, uh, it turned out that the data, I analyzed it and, and there was um, some interesting stuff, but I found the more interesting part was just the, the dream transcripts that I had. Um, there was so much like, kind of like raw imagery and, and um, yeah, like almost like raw material in there that I could, I felt like I had to do something with. So I, I ended up, um, writing a poem for about every month of dream data that I had I wrote a poem using the images and phrases in there I thought that I loved your poems I thought they were great nice that's awesome yeah they were amazing yeah well do you want to read some of them so if you have some favorite lines maybe like some for sure um I'll I'll read yeah um it's called acquaintances okay so uh acquaintances Teach me about a place you've never been, you said. Give me something that is not yours. Let us overextend ourselves in hopes of connection. On New Year's Eve, me in my floral outfit, you in your war paint, you said, honesty is what's in the tickle trunk on New Year's Eve. Outside McDonald's, a man yelled at us about traffic and the economy and my hair, too long, too short, kept in a braid at the back. And I answered in Turkish, Tanish Tamiza Memnum Oldum. It's nice to meet you. Later, in the great Canadian superstore, I looked for medical attention for the gash on your head. There were a lot of items on sale, hysterics, an ambulance. That's not what we need. Fudgesicles, that will make us happy. With hospital trays on our laps, I try to tell you I was talking to you. I try to tell you, some Turks believe the translation is not literal enough. They say, it's nice to no longer miss you. Wow. So that's that one. That is so, that's great. Wow. It sounds even better when you read it. Wow. Nice. That's so cool. Uh, Can you read something that. else? Yeah, I'll read um, Sensitivity. Um, okay. It's got the avocado line in it. And okay. uh, <laughs> that one, yeah. this is, yeah, like, this is funny. <clears throat> It was uh, the poem that I was thinking about cutting and because um, I had a, a few that I had to cut and my friend was like, oh no, you, you should keep that one in there. That's my favorite. Yeah. And I've since heard like most people have said, I really like that one the best. So it's funny how 
um, your own idea of what's good or what's, you know, other people are going to like is not always the case. Um, yeah. So this one's called sensitivity. I'm nicest to people I don't know. An overripe avocado, soft enough to be bruised by your probing fingers, but with a pit that can dull your blade. Thankfully, I'm more interested in filling small jars than emptying them. When I try to smoke, I end up chewing celery sticks. Those who must convince you they love you probably don't, but that's okay. We all just want to know where we'll end up, and loving is one way to get there. When I die, a hole in the ocean will appear. Fish will swim below me, blue and silver scales like wrapping paper, chain mail changing color in the sudden light. I will be a seed, suspended in a glass jar filled with water, one side stuck under a star, the other above the sea. Wow, you're like, that's amazing. You're so talented. Like, <laughs> I really encourage people to go to your website and it's included on on the Facebook site of the Blackberry Review just to read some of like um, I read an amazing short story too and some of the stuff you you've written because it's it's just great hey um, thanks I just have one point that I was thinking about when I was reading your poetry and that's that um well they're super descriptive and I was thinking that poems and dreams are similar because they are both sort of um they include illusions and i think mm -hmm. a lot of times come from your subconscious both of them so i thought that was really, i thought it was super clever that you turned your dreams into poetry um thanks you could read yeah. one more poem, sure yeah just on that point I, I found like um yeah like in your dreams you're so much more able to make these connections the kind of metaphorical connections than in waking life when you have all of these constraints kind of like weighing down your consciousness almost, um, you know, just what's real and what's possible. Whereas in your dreams, all of that comes off. So I find like that's such a nice, um, I don't know, resource or, or like uh, method to make poetry because it's all about making those connections and illusions that, so yeah, dreams are, dreams are a great tool um, for, yeah. for writing poetry in my opinion. That's such a, yeah, that's such a good idea. And also so dedicated of you, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. For sure. A little bit uh, obsessive compulsive, maybe. I don't know. That's the accountant in me, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, you're so, an accountant too. That's, yeah, that's, that's wild. Wow. It's, it's a weird mix for sure. <laughs> yeah. But I never really get tired of, of, of either. Like, I, you know, if I spend half my day working on numbers and then half my day working with words um you know i'm never really tired of both of them so for me it's a good oh, mix that's perfect for you then that's great exactly this one's called annie's sex advice okay <laughs> that's a pretty fun one annie's sex advice when you're out of touch with what sex means remember the fish not starfish and don't let that farm stuff into the ocean but the salmon, their bounded bodies thrusting up ladder streams for the chance to spill their delicious ooze into gravel, not a right, but a hard-won triumph. Or those lake-locked ones under feet of ice, waiting, endlessly waiting for the thaw. Use your hands, she says, as if feeling their bodies for injuries. And what about the wounded? Eat them. Raise the rest. 
Normally decent, a little quirky, she turns to hecklers and says, chill, fuckers. Milk runs can be surprisingly rewarding. Hair can fall out due to lack of human touch, so take the fire seriously. Small rituals help the spirit. Pre-earth magic is a stone castle in this growing inferno. In distant cities, have sex with doppelgangers of your high school crushes. Read Blake's illuminations, then disappear. Greatly underestimate the scale of loss. Fishing, sex, eating, all follow the same rules. A hot plate in the middle of a damp apartment can make the entire room sweat while stovetop burners mysteriously turning themselves on do not take fire seriously. Remember the fish. Strangers are strangers until they are your best friend in your bed trying anything. Everything is urgent until you discover what enough is. Yeah, it was great to be able to interview you. This was really fun. Oh, I appreciate <laughs> this opportunity. Yeah, okay. it's awesome. And, okay, uh, stoked, stoked on what you guys are doing with the Black Bear Review. You know, if people are interested in um, submitting their work, um, you know, I learned a lot by publishing this, this chat book. So I thought, you know, maybe I can just offer this service to other people if they're, they've got some poems they want to put together. Um, I've already kind of done a lot of the hard work in figuring out how to put together a chat book. So, yeah, so, you know, be in touch and, and we can put something together. Um, I'm also working on a, a small zine that's, that's a new project, which is kind of fun. It's called the Dollar Smoke Club. And what you do is it's kind of like the poetry of Institute of Canada, but with smokes, send a cigarette and a poem, and then I'll publish whatever I get. Uh, if it gets, um, I'll just publish anything that I receive and then put it together uh, in a zine. And it's kind of just for fun, but um, that's a fun project that I'm working on lately. That was beautiful. And I'm with Meredith. I really like the avocado line from the poem Sensitivity. You can check out Fletcher Fitzgibbon's work at his website, thearrowslodge.ca. Now we have my own interview with local poet Zainab Mohammed. Hello, everyone. This is Tressa, and I'm here with local poet and activist Zainab Mohammed. Many of you may recognize Zainab from her presence on Baker Street and at Cottonwood in Nelson during market days, sitting at her typewriter. She's known for her on-the-spot flash poetry, and she is also the author of a chapbook called Heel Toe, which is available at Otter Books in Nelson. Okay, Zainab, can you introduce yourself in your own words? What poetry may mean to you? Describe your artistic process for us. What does creating a poem look like? Hmm. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, so my name is Zainab Mohammed, and I am a local poet, uh, performer, and now songwriter. And, awesome. uh, and I, I do some activism work in the area as well. So uh, my thing is words. I like putting words together. <laughs> um, and poetry is not restricted to words. I find that poetry is a way of life. And we are all poets in our own sense of how we interact with life within us and outside of us. And so, yeah, I've just made a lifestyle out of it organically over the years. And here I am still continuing on this trajectory. 
That's amazing. That's really great, especially the poetry being a part of life. Like we're all composing poetry in our day to day, whether we're realizing it or not, or writing it down. That's awesome. Um, so because with this episode, we're kind of talking about chat books, um, what has been your experience with chat books? How long did it take you to put together Heel Toe? And what was it like seeing it completed? Yeah, so Heel Toe is my first chat book. I've got two other small collections that I got published, I think in 2014. One is called Freedom's Language and the other one is called Capturing Moments. So that was from like my earlier work. I love them, I cherish them all. And then Heel Toe was five years later and I had some poems that meant a lot to me that I wanted to share. And um, and it's just about like healing, you know, like healing our footstep on the earth and what that is for me in a poetic sense. Um, and I'm really glad I made it into a book. I, I'm learning how to appreciate myself more you know so when you make your own art it's sometimes it's hard to like you I make it and then I'm off to the next thing like I don't appreciate it or appreciate myself in it for long enough that I can really absorb that you know so it's a yeah. bit maddening I feel a bit mad as an artist like <laughs> you know as soon as something's done I'm on to the next thing so although some things take a long time to get done but yeah so I'm really happy this book exists and it's I like that it's small and it's simple and it's accessible and yeah. There's a lot of like a lot of themes around liberty and mobility in your poems. So I wanted to ask, tell me about your traveling poetry practice. Where has your art taken you and how important is this mobility to your creative process? Hmm. Yeah, I think that I don't know what lies ahead, but I do know that traveling has been so, so it's been monumental for my development, my growth and my, and, and like finding myself. I, I, it's more about, it's been like an internal external journey of just traveling to find myself and putting myself in uncomfortable situations so that I can show myself what I'm capable of that I probably wouldn't have known had I stayed where I was born and done what I was told. And so writing poetry started as soon as I started traveling eight years ago. And, uh, and I love traveling and I love writing poetry. And so whether I'm, you know, home base or on the road, having something to share, like having because yeah, I've traveled a lot in the States and going to different farmers markets as well there and writing poems. Like that's how I sustain myself. That's like, you know, I make enough money. I'll go to a couple markets in a week. I'll make enough money to fill up my gas tank. I'll get food from the farmers and I'll live, you know, in nature and just live super simply. And I think I needed that. So I don't, I mean, with or without travel, the art is there and, and I hope the travel will always be inside of me and I could do it either here in the Kootenays or in BC or in Canada like you know anywhere and um, I don't know if I answered your question but uh, but yeah they're two separate things that work really well together as well. Right yeah no I think Lisa and Karina one of them called it the living the bard lifestyle which I loved <laughs> such a great way of thinking of it that mobility it's amazing. Um, 
Yes. No, I think that was a beautiful answer. And um, I just, can I add something to it? Of course. Um, and also like here in Nelson, we have such a limited perspective because there isn't the diversity and the differences that you see in bigger cities and in other places. And so being on the road is healing for me too, because I get to witness and participate and converse with people that I would never hear, you know, people with such different lives and different stories. And so it's also like really humbling and really healing to be on the road. So on that note, um, you're, you're an important activist here in the Kootenays, especially within the Black Lives Matter movement and the push for racial justice locally here in the Kootenays. So in what ways do your poetry and your activism intersect? Well, for the last almost two years, I've been writing songs and playing music. And so I think that my music intersects with my activism more than my poetry does. Okay. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's interesting because my poetry has been more about myself and healing and, and finding connection, whereas my music is, is a lot more emotional. It's a lot more like more wailing and frustration and like a lot more, I'm able to like tap into parts of myself I haven't been able to with poetry or haven't been able to express when sharing poetry. And so, um, yeah, I hope I can be a voice for change, however small or large that is in this community. And, um, and yeah. In that case, like I was gonna ask, would you like to read out one of your poems for the episode, but also if you wanted to play one of your songs or give an example of that. Okay, I'm just gonna read you one of my newer songs. Okay. I'll just read it. Sure, yeah. And it's called Fire. Um, and it goes like this. It goes, break me so you can see right through me. Silence me so you can hear my guts sing words truth your ears pretend they did not meet words of my liberation find others who have heavy hearts with open fists ready to braid the past with the present clean feet step soft echo to earth your frequency fire free all of life harmony blaze towers of lies release the puppet let us see clear, experience thoughts, dream, for I was meant to be and I am here to spread my wings, release fear, integrate healing for my ancestors and the tree of roots, branches, fruit, where birds breed, ants find seeds and rain quenches the flow. Clean feet, step soft, echo to earth, your frequency, fire, free all of life. Harmony, blaze towers, lies, release the puppets, let us see clear. Fall and rise like the seeds of cedar, pine and fir trees, travel to find where to stand. And when found, fight for what is right, use your weapons with grace the love in your heart, tie it with your mind, dance full and soft like a storm of thunder and hail, be seen 
be brave, be everywhere. Dance full and soft like a storm of thunder and hail. Be seen, be brave, be everywhere. Clean feet, step soft, echo to earth. Your frequency, fire, free all of life. Harmony, blaze towers of lies, release the puppets. Let us see clear. That was beautiful. That was so beautiful. I loved the rhythm of that. That, that was amazing. Yes. There's a two part song. So that's part is fire and the other part is called flow. Okay. Um, where can we access your poetry and where can we access your music? Well, I am off social media. I'm, uh, I've been off the internet for a while and I just got back on yesterday. I published my website called zainabmohammed.com and there is some stuff on my website. There's some videos like that song is on the website as a video and um, there's other videos coming soon and there's a tiny little bit of poetry but you know if you want access to my work maybe just like message me <laughs> email okay. me that's probably the best way to go if you'd like a poem email me um, yeah I'm all for connection and I really uh, I'm working on not being so pulled into doing things the way traditionally people are saying that it needs to be done like having a business account on social media or you know That's selling things <laughs> online or having a YouTube channel like I don't really those things don't call to me so yeah if you're willing okay. to do things a bit differently here I am what a great interview and what a beautiful reading of fire such a strong piece that leaves a, such a strong everlasting image in your mind. Certainly makes me want to read more of Zainab's work. And uh, for people listening at home, I would like to point out that we did say goodbye to each other. Um, like civilized beings, we're all learning, recording over Zoom. Now we have a poetry reading. I would have bought some bread or at least another bottle of wine by Tori Thurmond. Tori is an MFA candidate at Eastern Washington University originally from Nashville, Tennessee. She's been published in Nashville's Poets Quarterly, Tiny Seed Journal, and in the Black Bear Review. I would have bought some bread or at least another bottle of wine. Until now, I've only read poems about the end of the world, and no one wrote about the toilet paper running out. I thought it would be more dramatic, more like a movie, but this feels slow. I heard somewhere that when you cook a lobster, or maybe a frog, you put it in a pot of cold water, then turn on the stove. The temperature will rise slowly enough that the lobster frog won't realize you're killing it until it's already dead. Until now, I thought the end of the world would be noisier. Gunshots, fire. But I hear birds, and the wind chimes my parents gave me. Maybe this is how it ends. I thought it would be more romantic, lovers heating canned vegetables by a fire. At least we'd have each other. I still have running water and my microwave still works, but I'm in the bedroom, you're in the living room. I pick up yoga and needlepoint, go on walks. Everyone started walking again, 
in circles around our houses, looking for something to fix, something to break so it can be fixed, something else to think about other than lobsters. Next, we have a reading from Birds, Bongs, and Briefs from Veronique Darwin, a writer and teacher living in Rossland, BC. She's been published in Geist and Existeer magazines and in the Blackberry Review. Birds, Bongs, and Briefs by Veronique Darwin. The knock at the front door came at the end of winter. The plants in the solarium shook with its force. Bertie assessed the route to the front door. The slope of the staircase seemed to have inclined over the years, so that each step was now a precipice. Come in, she called, voice ragged. When was the last time she'd had to shout? Had she always walked this way, elbows extended? Is that why they'd called her Bertie? The young man was so tall he needed to bend his head to enter. He wore work boots and torn jeans hanging low beneath a bright green waistband. His briefs? His hair was long, and a blonde beard covered his face, so that his features seemed small and delicate. She outstretched her bony, shaking hand, and he held it firmly in his, settling it. I won't bother you, Blake said quietly, but I'd love a spot in the garden. Take it all. My husband was the gardener. Blake nodded. I'm sorry. My grand passed recently, too. Not knowing what else to do, her empathy stretched thin as the skin on her cheeks. Bertie showed the young man around the kitchen. He might use this cupboard for his non-perishables, and this was where she kept the tea, crackers, and dry bird feed. They should be showing up any day now. Who? he asked. The songbirds. It was now late spring, and the birds played a tactful game for her attention. Their drama took up so much space in her that she could no longer give time to the watercolors, to the plants. She was stiffened, wrapped up in something beyond her, a tension that played out between her rigid body and the hovering world. Eagles hung far off in the hills across the river. The songbirds were up early and stayed out late, and even though she grew weary of their incessant calls, she appreciated their energy, their forwardness, their enterprise. Blake had reawakened the house, giving it new smells and sensibilities. He played records late into the night. They were styles of music she'd never heard before, beats she hadn't known could fit together. He made exotically spiced meals and labeled leftovers with dates on green tape. Once she took a small bite of something in a yellow wrapper and the sour taste lingered for hours. He walked around without shoes. She tried this, pretending she'd forgotten slippers after the shower. The tile, the plush carpet, then the thin rug, and the bed sheets tickling her feet. Where would you like these? He held the mail in his hand, a pile as thick as his beard. At once, the glass room felt too small, like a dream she'd been having. She caught him looking at the easel, the still rocking chair, and shooed him out, following behind. Have you seen my reading glasses? She asked, though there were none. She hadn't read for years. They almost got to the kitchen before she needed to sit. He did too, in Noel's armchair. No family member would have done this, but as she was about to tell him as much, he peeled open the first envelope and began to read. It was nothing important, the mail of an old woman, 
pension checks, probing from various agencies to see whether she was still alive, scams she often felt like falling for just to have something to do. But he read each out loud like they might contain a golden ticket or an invitation to the ball. This one offers you a 75% discount on a pretty rad magazine, he said brightly. You ever heard of meal subscriptions? I could show you how to make a curry. Do you want me to phone the bank to activate your new card? You know, we can visit sometime, she interrupted, but I expect you to bring me some of what you're planting out there. A smile washed over Blake's face. I actually have some right here. He pulled a bag from his pocket and brought a few leaves up to her nose. Manure-like, fruity. You smoke it, he said, or you can use something like this. He pulled from his pocket a glass pipe swirling with greens and purples, shone in the light like a kaleidoscope. Before she completely understood what was happening, she accepted the glass to her lips, not able to remember the last time she was offered anything but tea. Slowly, she became absorbed by the couch's frayed patterns and textures the absurdity of the wall hangings they'd chosen 30 years ago, the tenderness of the gray hairs on her arms. Her body no longer trapped but coated her, quieting her nagging limbs and tendons. The shifting awareness reminded her that she was still in this world. And that's going to be it for us today, folks. An enormous thank you to Fletcher Fitzgibbon and Zainab Mohammed, as well as our spoken word artists, Tori Thurmond and Veronique Darwin. If you liked the readings you heard, check them out on our website at blackbearreview.ca. An extra special thanks to the Kootenai band, The Hilties, for the use of their songs, Hocus Pocus and Ride the Wave. You can find their new album, Sunshine, at thehilties.bandcamp.com. That's spelled H-I-L-L-T-I-E-S. Go check them out and support local music talent. And thanks to everyone who helped out in the producing of this episode, especially Omider Miller, our faculty advisor, Bree Harwood, our coordinator, Brian Semenek for technical advising and sound editing, Karina Custom, our managing editor, Ilkay Chakra-Ulare, our agent and technical advisor, Karen Hamling, team player, my co-host Cody Bruner for student talent recruitment, script and hosting, Lisa Dean, our faculty advisor and contributing reader today, Meredith McDonald for her interview, Stephanie Henriksen, team player. And our talented host, Teresa Ford for interviewing, scripting and hosting. And if you want to read your own work for our podcast, don't hesitate. You can send your pieces to the blackbearview at gmail.com that's blackbearview at gmail.com, all one word, with a subject line, podcast guest reader submission. Also, don't forget to check out our page, blackbearview.ca, for all your Kootenai poetry, fiction, nonfiction, and arts needs. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And of course, join us again next time for more amazing conversations and performances. Keep an eye out for our next episode, where we'll be interviewing Patricia Smugga, the woman behind the new magazine, Freya, we're looking forward to sharing a new wave of inspiration and artistic expression when we meet again. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you again next episode. Be safe out there.
Be kind, be resilient, and never stop being creative. Just ride the way. 